Thank you, Martin. Let's just pray. Lord, we pray that you would use your word and speak to us now. Help us in what we hear and help me in what I say. May it be your words. Lord, speak to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. We're continuing in our series, Following Jesus. And I'd like to look for a couple of weeks at this character, Elijah, who we have read from in 1 Kings chapter 17. Have you ever felt that you're too ordinary or insignificant for God to use? Have you ever felt led by the Lord to do something but you didn't, you didn't feel able to do it. You didn't have the strength. Would you like to know the secret of how to do things in the Lord's strength? Well, I'm not going to keep you in suspense. I'm not going to go through a whole sermon and then get to the end and then have you to wait. I'm going to tell you now and try to explain then. Paul wrote in his letter to the Philippians... Likely when he was imprisoned in Rome, under house arrest, most likely. It could have been in another situation, but it's most likely Rome that he wrote when he was imprisoned. And the Philippian church had been worried about him. But he reassured them that all was good. Paul had suffered shipwreck, he had suffered beatings, he had suffered lack of food, he suffered persecution, he suffered an awful lot, he suffered 40 lashes minus one a number of times as a gospel preacher, as a missionary. And so his situation in Rome was nothing that he could ha- couldn't handle. He says to them, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. And this is what he says. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. You might be wondering how you can face certain situations how you can do things that the Lord may have called you to do. The only way you can do it is through Christ, who gives you strength. Some people are full of self-confidence. They can believe that they can do anything. Even they believe maybe because they're a Christian they can do anything, but they're not relying on the Lord's strength. They're relying on their own strength. They might sometimes convince themselves that they're relying on the Lord, but actually it's self-assurance and pride that they're relying on. We need to be careful that we're not doing the same. (coughs) But instead, many people, however, realize their own limitations. We realize that we are not able in ourselves. We know we're weak and prone to say and do the wrong thing. And so... We say, no, I can't do that. I, 
and we stop short of doing what we are led to do by the Lord. Some are too confident of themselves and rush straight on in in their own strength. And yet others, many people just don't have the confidence that they can do what the Lord calls them to do, whether in their strength or the Lord's. If we're so aware of our own limitations, they ought not to stop us. They ought to humble us, but they ought to point us to the Lord so that we will go forward in his strength. Sometimes the Lord's been showing us that we ought to change in some area of our lives, in our devotional life, our family life, our work life, or in some other way. But we resist. We procrastinate. We we sometimes think, I can't do that. At other times, it's it's not a sense of awareness of our own weakness. It's a sense of, sin that we are saying no Lord we delay we, we convince ourselves that we're not able we're not really good enough or whatever but actually that's just a wrapping for, for sinful pride sinful unbelief we need to be careful that we don't stop short of what God calls us to do for whatever reason but that we do it in his strength I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. If we're a believer, we have the Spirit of God within us. We are able to do the things that he calls us to do. If you're not a believer, you don't have the strength and you need to call on him, you need to turn to him so that you will get that strength, that Spirit within. Not your own Spirit, but the Holy Spirit. Not a sense of I've been through a ceremony in the past as a child. They've told me I have the Holy Spirit. But in a sense where you know when you feel and you see the power, the dynamism, the power of the Holy Spirit at work. Paul writes to the Ephesians along these lines, encouraging them that they can do what God calls them to do. Let me give you a Two verses from Ephesians. And I'm going to leave out a couple of words. A couple of words which we often gloss over and don't really notice. And Ephesians 3, 20 to 21. We normally read it like this. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. God is able and powerful to do infinitely more than we might ask or think. He is a wonderful, powerful God. But that's not what the text says. Let me insert the words that I've taken out. What the text actually says is, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. We have no problem thinking that God is almighty. He can do infinitely more than we can ask or think out there in the world. 
But what the text says is he can do infinitely more than we can ask or think in us. In us and through us. By the power of his spirit. And that this will give glory to God. He will get glory not just in Christ, but he will get glory in the church as well. That's powerful. We can do all things through him who gives us strength. Because of his power, he's able to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. So we, we have no excuse. If we think we're unable, we're, we're not able to do what God tells us to do or leads us to do. We're not able in ourselves, but we're infinitely more able to do it by his power at work within us that we might even ask or think. Let's not say, Lord, I can't do that. That's simply sinful unbelief. Disobedience presenting itself as a false sense of humility. If we've said no to the Lord in the past, well, let's ask for his forgiveness and let's receive his forgiveness. He is gracious and he is the God of second, third, fourth, fifth chances. Whatever we may have done or not done, <clears throat> let's bring these, even though our sins might be as red as scarlet, as Isaiah says in chapter 1, they can be as white as snow. They will be as white as snow if we come to him and leave our, our sins at the foot of the cross. That's a way of saying, Jesus has taken my sin. It is dealt with. And let's go where he leads and do what he calls us to do. Let's not shrink back with an evil heart of unbelief. Little children learn to walk. But they don't suddenly one day stop crawling and then stand up and start walking confidently. It's a process where they stand up and they realize, oh, this is a bit wobbly. And they move a leg and they put their weight on that leg. And they, Their parents might be there, open arms, just welcoming them to come and take on a few more steps. And so they put another leg forward and learn to stand on it. One step at a time. The child might think, hold on, this is too much. I can't do this. And flop back down and sit in their bum and maybe and crawl over to their mum and dad or, and then get the hug that they're expecting. But the parent wants them to to do it walking, to take another step, to, to learn to walk. It's not just that they get to them. It's that they walk to them. And so the child learns to walk. And then it learns to walk confidently. Then it learns to run. So too, we need to be able to learn to walk in the strength that the Lord gives us. Not sit and do a shuffle or crawl around, but, but walk in the strength of the Lord. Today I'd like us to look at a man who learned to walk. As Paul says, I've learned the secret of living in every situation. I have learned. We often look at the, the prophets and think, wow, 
They just seem to be there right from the start. They just seem to be godly people, able to do anything right from when God first calls them. But that's not the case. They learn to do all things in the power of the strength of God. James tells us that Elijah was as human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. And then he prayed again and the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. An old version of the NIV says, Elijah was a man just like us. He was an ordinary person. He was prompted to pray that the skies would be dry. He could have said to God, I feel prompted to pray this. I feel prompted to to do something. He could have said, no, I can't do that. But he he knew what Paul talks about in Ephesians, that God could do infinitely more through him than he was able to ask or think. He trusted God and God used him powerfully. Let's have a look at 1 Kings chapter 17 and let's see that it's there that Elijah gets his walking legs. In the coming few weeks we'd like to to look more at Elijah and how he's able to run in 1, 1 Kings chapter 18 and then how he runs out of steam in the following chapter. But Elijah, an ordinary yet extraordinary man, An ordinary man who serves God. Notice that James has told us that Elijah had prayed earnestly that no rain would fall. Then it seems he went to King Ahab and told him that news. We don't get that little bit of information that James tells us later. We just start with when he goes to Ahab in 1 Kings chapter 17. Now Elijah, who was from Tishbe and Gilead, told King Ahab, As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. The background, if you can read in the previous chapter, was that Ahab was an evil king. He took Jezebel as his wife, and she's described in 2 Kings 9.22 as being involved in idolatry and witchcraft. Ahab served the pagan god Baal, the Canaanite god of fertility and rain. He built an altar to Baal in Samaria. The kingdom had been split in two after King David and after his son um, Solomon. And now, just like Ireland, we've got a border between the north and the south. The people of Israel, the Israelites, had a border between the northern kingdom and the southern The southern kingdom had Jerusalem, the place to worship, but there was nowhere really in the north and they wouldn't go down into the south. So they set up their own place in Samaria, which is why by the time of Jesus, the Samaritans and the Jews in Jerusalem didn't get on. He built this altar to Baal in Samaria. He made an Asherah pole, which is used in, in worship as well. And he rebuilt the city of Jericho, which God says nobody should do it. Ahab, son of Omri, did what was evil in the Lord's sight, even more than any of the kings before him. 
he was an ungodly man. He was an ungodly leader, an ungodly king. And Elijah, being a godly man, seems to have had a godly anger, a righteous anger, when he sees all these things happening. He had a righteous frustration. Have you ever felt a righteous frustration, a righteous anger, when you hear something in the news, you hear of a situation, and some evil has been committed, some awful evil, It's not always sinful to be angry. Paul says, in your anger do not sin. At least I think it was Paul. The point is, we can, well we often are sinful when we're angry, but we can have a righteous anger. And Elijah seems to have had this righteous anger, wanting to do something, wanting to bring the glory of God back to the nation. And so he prays. He's moved to pray. And as he's moved to pray, he prays, Lord, this Baal God, the God of rain, Lord, stop the rain for three and a half years so that they will know that this God they're worshipping isn't real. Well, that's what he does. And just like Moses who went up against Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, to free the Israelites, so too Elijah goes up against King Ahab. Have you ever done something for God and had just been focused on being obedient to God? You went out in faith and did what he called you to do. And then you thought, help Lord, what have I done? Well, that's what seems to have happened to Elijah. He went up to King Ahab, said what he said, and then seems to have been afraid. I don't know, Sammy, can you click it to the the camera one, the, the rear cam, please? Thanks. We see from... A few chapters later that Elijah was actually quite a fearful person, afraid of others. It was only when the power of God was upon him that he was fearless. And it seems as though he, after saying this to Ahab, he says, help Lord, what have I done? As he walks out of Ahab's presence, he might have just got out of sight when Ahab might have boiled over with anger. Or his wife Jezebel might have instead. They have it in for Elijah if they can find him. But God in his grace says to Elijah, then the Lord said to Elijah, go to the east and hide by Kareth Brook, near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. There are a number of narrow gorges where the streams enter the Jordan River Elijah simply obeys God's commands and goes there. At this point, Elijah has done nothing miraculous. He's done nothing powerful other than pray. He's given a message to King Ahab and obeyed God. And then he's gone to hide near the Jordan River. He didn't know what would come next. He just took it one step at a time. 
Like a toddler putting one foot in front of the other, Elijah just did one thing at a time as the Lord directed him. You can just imagine him sitting at the Kidron Brook thinking, Lord, how am I going to eat when he arrived there? Can't go back to the city and I'm too far away from Tesco for them to deliver to me. He's wondering, where is he going to get his food? Well, God provided for him. God provided through the ravens. He might have wondered, God has provided through these ravens, but that was yesterday. Are they going to keep coming today? Maybe they're going to migrate or something's going to happen. But he learned day after day to trust in the Lord. He learned day after day to trust God that he would provide. His faith in God grew stronger and stronger as he saw God's faithfulness over and over again. But as the stream dried up and there was no water, Elijah then needed somewhere to go. God sent him quite a way up north, way outside of his home country, to a widow who lived in a village near the city of Sidon. As we can see in this map, Elijah first went to, from Samaria to the Jordan River. And then from the Jordan River, he went up to Zarephath, which is near Sidon. That's in the north of Israel. That's not even in his own country, among his own people. He went to a widow of another people in another country. He asked her to make some, get him some water, make a little bread. So she did as Elijah said. And she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the container, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. The Lord had provided in a miraculous way through Elijah. Things are going well. Elijah has been blessed. God has answered his prayer. The rain had stopped. God has provided food for him, not only at the brook, but now he has provided at the widow's house. But Elijah might still be be confident enough to walk with the Lord, but he still isn't confident enough to run. He might be just confident enough to see the Lord do these things, but not confident enough to see the Lord do other things. So far, Elijah hasn't really done a miracle yet. The rain stopping isn't really miraculous. It stops raining all the time. It's a natural phenomenon. The Lord just extended that natural phenomenon for three and a half years. The Lord provided the food. That was what the Lord could do. But that wasn't what Elijah had done. He hadn't really done anything miraculous himself. He hadn't done a miracle like giving sight to the blind or raising somebody from the dead. But that was going to change. After some time, the widow's son died and out of compassion for her and her son and to show that he had not been sent by God to inflict harm on her, Elijah takes the body of the boy to the upper room. 
And he stretched himself out over the child three times and cried out to the Lord, O Lord my God, please let this child's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's prayer, and the life of the child returned, and he revived. Then Elijah brought him down from the upper room and gave him to his mother. Look, he said, your son is alive. When someone does a miracle, it's strictly speaking not them who does the miracle. It's God who does it in answer to their prayer request. Elijah prayed that God would do a miracle and raise the widow's son from the dead. And that's what happened. You might think, well, that's normal, you know. God does that kind of thing. It's okay. It's normal to pray that kind of thing that, that God would raise somebody from the dead. Some, but sometimes it's helpful to actually think of the Bible in the chronology, the, the, the history in which we receive things in the Bible. There's many times when we read in the Bible that people have been raised from the dead. There was Lazarus, there was Jairus' daughter, there was Dorcas, and there was others But they all happened after this. This occasion of Elijah raising this boy from the dead is the very first instance that we have in the Bible of this kind of thing ever happening. Elijah was praying for something that he had never heard of before. That was a really courageous prayer. Just like there's times when the Lord leads us to do things that we've never gone there before. And we feel, Lord, you can't ask me to do that. That's, nobody does that. I've never done that. But Elijah felt just like that. He was in a situation where, Lord, this has never happened before. I don't know if you're going to answer this prayer. But you seem to be leading me to pray. And to pray that this boy will be revived again from the dead. And so he prays and God answers his prayer. Elijah did a great miracle. Technically it was God who did the miracle through Elijah's prayer. But he brings back the boy back to life. He gave him back to his mother. Do you know, there's no guarantee that if we were in a similar situation, we would be able to do the same. It's not enough simply to ask and expect because things might not be in the Lord's will. It was in the Lord's will that, that this little boy would be raised from the dead. But sometimes we pray prayers and it's, it's not the Lord's timing or it's not the Lord's will. But we can pray that the Lord will answer our prayers. And when he does, we give him the glory and the praise. And when he does, it's not the strength of our prayer. It's not the amount of faith we have. But it's, it's the amount of God we have. It's the God who we have faith in who answers our prayers. not our faith in our God. That is the crucial thing. It's the God in whom we have faith.
And then the woman told Elijah, Now I know for sure that you are a man of God and that the Lord truly speaks through you. The Lord had been providing miracles every day. We read of Jesus and the miracles of the feeding of, say, the 5,000. And we say, wow, that was a great miracle. If we'd been there, that would have been wonderful. But that happened on one day. This widow receives a miracle every day. She goes and she said there was just enough food for her and her son. She gives some to Elijah. And then there's enough for the next day and the next day. The, the flour and the oil never run out. It's like the feeding of the 5,000 day after day after day, except on a smaller scale. She sees a miracle every day, and yet it's only when her son is raised from the dead, she says, and now I know for sure that you're a man of God. She had enough evidence beforehand. Jesus used her testimony, or this situation, this widow's situation to show that a prophet is not honoured in his own country when he was being rejected by his people. That Elijah, during the time of the drought, didn't do a miracle to help, say, some of the widows in Israel, but he went outside of the country and helped a woman who wasn't an Israelite. But yet there seems to be something more going on here in what this woman is saying. On the one hand, she's saying what she thinks, what she feels. But so far we've seen in each situation how Elijah has been strengthened in his faith and in his trust in God to work powerfully. But not only do we see in this, these words of this woman, this testimony, what she thinks, we also see in a sense what God is saying to Elijah. It's in a sense as if God is saying, see, now you can know for sure that you are a man of God, Elijah, and that I, the Lord, truly speak through you. Her words seem not only to be her testimony to Elijah, but God's testimony to Elijah, that he is his prophet, he is his man, he works through him. It's as if God has been saying to Elijah now, through this woman, See, you've learned to walk. Now you're ready to run. The Lord has been gracious to Elijah. The Lord has shown Elijah, and through the testimony of this woman, you're a man of God. You're able. You're ready. You can do the things of God. If if Elijah may have doubted himself, These words should have taken away that doubt. And so too, if we've ever doubted ourselves, those words in Ephesians 3, 20-21 ought to take away any doubt that we have, that we are able to do what God calls us to do. Elijah learned to, to trust God one step at a time. He learned to walk Next time when we look at Elijah, he goes up against the, the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. But he didn't just go from zero to 60 all in one go. He learned to gain confidence. He learned to trust in the Lord. He learned 
that he could do all things through him who gives him strength. And we too can do things in God's strength that we would never imagine doing on our own. We can share the gospel with that person who makes us nervous. We can be gracious to that person who we just don't have it within us to be gracious to. We can step out in faith and do something that seems impossible. And we can ask for God to do great things. And we need to pray as Elijah prayed. We need to remember, as James tells us, Elijah was as human as we are. He was just an ordinary person like us. He wasn't a superhuman type of person. God uses ordinary people. If Elijah can do it, you and I can do it as well. So let's pray for forgiveness for our lack of faith at times. But let's also pray that we would see God work powerfully, that we would have the faith, the obedience to step out, to go where he leads, to do what he calls us to do, to say what he calls us to say, to take one step at a time, like toddlers learning to walk, to take one step to gain a bit of confidence, to take another step, not to fall back and just to keep crawling as a Christian. Let's learn to walk in God's grace. And let's be ready then to run when he calls us to, as the opportunity arrives. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you don't simply do things for us, but you've entered into to doing a much more marvelous thing of doing wonderful things in us. Lord, we thank you for this transforming power. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your strength. We thank you for the Holy Spirit within us, transforming us, empowering us, Lord, we have the strength available at our fingertips. But Lord, help us not to simply keep it switched off. Help us, Lord, not to resist the Spirit, to be disobedient. Help us to be obedient, Lord, and to to follow your lead. Help us to be obedient, to do what you call us to do, when you call us to do it, knowing that we can do everything, infinitely more than we could ask or think through Christ who gives us strength. Forgive us when we haven't, Lord, and empower us and help us to to do what you call us to do when you call us to do it. If we haven't trusted yet, Lord, and we're still walking in our own strength, Lord, we come to you and we ask for forgiveness. Have mercy upon me, a sinner. Lord, help us to be forgiven and help us to then walk in that forgiven life of walking in the strength of the Lord, in the power of the Spirit, that we may give you glory, that we may be used by you powerfully, whether other people see it or not, to give you great glory. In Jesus' name, amen.